Ahoy, it's your boy! And welcome to episode 5 of the podcast. This is M. Man, your boy ran 8 miles today. 8 motherfucking miles. Dude, your boy is such an athlete. I was only supposed to run 7.2, but as I was out there, I think I was talking about this on another um, on another podcast, but when you're running, dude, you really hit, uh, I mean, I don't know if I believe in this thing they call the runner's high or whatever, but um, <sighs> when you're out there, sometimes you just feel like you can go forever, and um, I mean, I'm having two thoughts. I mean, sometimes when you're out there, you think, man, I could do this forever. I'm just going to go. You know what? I was only supposed to run X miles, but... Uh, but uh, I'm going to go further than that. And then uh, by the time you reach what you were supposed to do, you're actually exhausted. So you were a little over-optimistic in your um, in your estimation. But yeah, dude, I felt great today. I think it's partly we were having this heat wave the other week and things were, it was just hard out there running. But um, the weather's cooled down and um, didn't run for the last three days. So I think I was well rested. I just went out there and killed it. Also, I had a phenomenal night's sleep last night, which uh, if you listen to the other episodes, you know it's been difficult at my girlfriend's place because of the downstairs neighbors. But, dude, I haven't heard him for a while. <clears throat> and, um, and uh, dude, passed out. I was sort of laughing. Me and my girlfriend were normally... <laughs> I, I, first of all, I think plenty of people are going to think this is, is funny because they probably like it too. But I love great British baking show. So... Not that that means anything. I can just get in line with everybody else, I guess, because it's. I know it's a super popular show, but I really do love that show, and I think um, I totally understand now. Like when I was a kid, sorry, <clears throat> when I was a kid, it was sort of a cliche that like older people like to watch. You know, you know, either one of the late night hosts like Jay Leno or Letterman. They like to watch the Letterman monologue or the leno monologue and then go to bed now it would be like the kimmel monologue or i don't know who else has a late night show these days but um and nobody watches those shows anymore um like people just catch the performances or the segments on the internet anyway um i'm not saying nobody watches those shows but i I think comparatively like to how it used to be nobody watches those shows um but you would ask adults like why do you watch the same shit every night before you go to bed and they would all have the same answers which is i know what i'm getting it's predictable and then i can just sort of unwind dude i totally understand that now i love watching right now for me that's great british baking show it's been different shows for me and my girlfriend at different times like for a while and dude and you start catching yourself watching you start catching yourself watching shit you never would have watched before like for a while we were watching how i met your mother and part of it was we would laugh at it first of all i don't understand like, I don't know if this will make sense, but when you watch these shows, and the last time I thought about this, I was on tour. Um, I was doing the follow-up tour that I was doing on the West Coast in July, and I was in San Diego, and um, I was there, I, I came into town a night before the show, and so I was just like watching TV. I got like some fried chicken at this joint, um, I think it's called the Crack Shack. I only mentioned it because it's fucking phenomenal. If you're ever in, in San Diego, look for the Crack Shack. But it was like right around the corner from this Motel 6 I was at. So I got some, uh, was it Motel 6? Yeah. I got some fried chicken, went back to the room, and I'm watching Third, wait, is it Third Rock from the Sun? No. What's it called? What's the nerd show? Um, shit. Aw, oh, damn it. Everybody hates this show. And this is like the epitome of like bad sitcom shows that everybody makes fun of. And it's not Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, no, dude, I feel so stupid when I start talking about something and I don't know what it's called. Because then I have to sit here and think about it. I feel like a fucking dummy. And I know someone listening to this is, knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. It's with the nerds, and there's like the one girl. And uh, they have some spinoff show now. I, don't, I think it's off the air, and so now they have a spinoff show with the kid. Um, God damn it. I don't want to just blow past this because I want to say it because I want to figure it out, but I also don't want to fucking just stall here and think about the show. Um, anyway, the point is, it's a super not funny show, but they have the laugh track plugged in. And How I Met Your Mother does this too, which is there's nothing funny going on. Absolutely nothing funny. But these shows have the cadence of comedy. Like you get it's supposed to be a joke. This is the moment where one would laugh if it were funny right? Does that make sense? It has the cadence and the melody of comedy, but there's nothing funny taking place. <clears throat> but they insert the laugh track. So if you're, if you're sitting there watching it mute like you usually are, because how often do you laugh at these fucking shows? 
when you're able to sort of detach and just look at it objectively, it's fucking absurd. You hear the laugh track going on in the background, and you're like, if this was a real studio audience, and by the way, <clears throat> well, let me finish that thought first. <clears throat> if it was a real studio audience, you'd be like, this is a room full of the, the dumbest people they could have ever assembled, because there's nothing funny taking place. And if it was a room full of people who were actually laughing, it'd be a room full of dullards. Um, especially to the extent that, you know, the laugh track is this canned laughter where it's like people like belly laughing at something that's ridiculous. <clears throat> these stupid little quips that these people are fucking, um, you know, uh, making back and forth to each other that just aren't funny. Um, and completely predictable, by the way. I, I think, like, they solidified the sitcom, um, uh, like, there's only about 12 scenarios in sitcoms that they sort of solidified in the age, and they just keep regurgitating them. It's like, the boss is coming over for dinner, and, uh, and uh, you know, you burn dinner in the oven. Uh, of course. Um, uh, some shows do it okay. Like, Frasier, I remember, was a show I got into for a while that, you know, I thought was pretty enjoyable. And I, you know what? People make fun of it. I loved Friends. Like, I remember, like, 10 years ago. Oh, and this is the point I was trying to make. I think about like, dude, maybe like 15 years ago or something. I was watching Lost. The last few seasons were airing on Lost. Uh, We're airing on television of Lost. And I would tune in for those. And before that, there was like an hour of Friends reruns. And I started catching Friends because I would turn on the TV about 15 minutes before Lost started. And I would catch Friends and I'd think, oh, you know what? This is actually a pretty funny show. And um, so I went back and started watching the, like, I think I rented, like, the first season or something like that. And I was like, and I ended up just, like, smashing through the whole season. And this was kind of even before people were, like, binging shows. I mean, you still had to get shows on DVD. Like, I remember I remember renting the Sopranos DVDs. I remember renting the Friends DVDs. This stuff was not online. Um, you had to, like, watch three episodes, take the DVD back a few days later, and, like, get the next one. Um but when you go back, and it's on Netflix now, so if you haven't seen it before, I encourage you to watch it, but go back and watch the first season of Friends, because not only is there a real studio audience there, you can really feel that the audience is falling in love with these characters, and you can tell that the actors are having a great time. It's like watching a good play, which is, I, I think the comedy's just better, but there's just a certain magic that happens in the room when they're actually performing for a studio audience and they're genuinely laughing. And you can even see moments where the actors are about to speak, but they feel the laughter in the room and they have to stop. So you literally feel the actors wait out these pauses, waiting for like, like, a, like a play. They're waiting for the audience, you know, that crest of that laughter at a crest so that they can come in and speak. And it just, there's a lot of cool moments like that in the first season of Friends when you go back and watch it. Um, So there's like a real energy to that. But when you watch something like How I Met Your Mother, which I don't know if they do these shows in front of a studio audience. Um, I can't imagine that they do. It just, it just, it certainly doesn't feel that way. Um, um, But yeah, there's something to that laughter that just feels insane. It feels uh, it feels crazy because there's just nothing happening that's funny, and but there's just this canned laughter. Um, it's sort of absurd in a way. But I was talking to my girlfriend, and I was saying I go to school now with much younger people, and I feel that in class sometimes where it's like the classroom will just break out into laughter over something that happened that's not funny. Like the teacher will have said something that's sort of in the cadence of a joke, but it's not actually funny. But people laugh, and I just I'm confused. I mean, I know I sound completely curmudgeonly and like I'm sitting there with my arms folded all the time, but I'm like, nothing funny happened. Why are people laughing? I don't know. It just, it makes me feel like, I talk about this in therapy sometimes, this feeling of otherness. Like, what current is, what current is everybody else swept in that I just don't feel swept up, I don't feel swept up by? Like I'm feeling like I'm, and I don't feel like I'm purposefully standing outside of it. I just don't feel like I'm a part of it. You know, why is everybody laughing? You know? Um, yeah, it makes... And on the one hand, I'm obviously, I think there's some superiority, feeling of superiority that comes along with it, <clears throat> which I'm not entirely proud of. I'm just being honest. But um, yeah, there's also, you know, I feel I feel super judgy, you know? And I so I think especially as I get older, I try to... I'm, <laughs> look, I, and I'm not saying it's going away. I actually feeling the feeling... I feel the feeling, um, 
getting stronger. But I'm sort of concerned because like, I don't want to be this curmudgeonly crotchety old dude who just looks at younger people and is like, Mah. but I feel that way, dude. I feel cranky. But I was also talking about, and I don't know if this is related, but I was talking last time about, you know, the more I get in touch with my, um, I don't know, my needs, my desires, my wants, you know, there's a, there, I, like I said, I've just been annoyed recently. Um, yeah, it feels weird talking about now because actually, especially today, I feel like I'm in a really great mood. Um, oh man, but yeah. Oh, yawning at you. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to have to cut out all the times that I yawn and just smash them together and see if I can literally get an hour of me yawning. Or maybe someone will do that for me at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking I was talking to my brother on the phone yesterday. Um, I had a presentation in psych class, which, by the way, went phenomenal. Um, I hate group projects, dude. Are you like me and you hate group projects? Maybe this goes back to, be, to being curmudgeonly, where I feel like, oh, I'm just better off doing everything myself. Like, we had to read these articles, these sort of, um, you know, these studies, these these papers, research papers that people had published, and we had to, uh, we had to read them. <clears throat> we were assigned to them as a group, and uh, individually we had to write our own article summary that was about two pages or something. I think it was like 900 words or something like that, and uh, killed it. And, um, and, uh, and then we had to do this group presentation, um, and there was like five of us in the group, and I hate group projects. I really do. Um, I've always been that way. I've always just felt like I could do better by myself. Um, I don't know that that's true or not. And I, sometimes we think better, but really it's just how we would have done it. Like, I think when you work in a group, you just have to concede certain aspects creatively that, you know, maybe you're not the best person to judge whether it's better or not, but it's certainly not what you would have done. So it can, so it can feel worse. Um, you know, it's hard to concede those things either aesthetically or stylistically or whatever, but blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, and it's like, I don't feel like we worked especially hard on it. And I don't feel like, um, you know, we, you know, did a whole lot of preparation. Oh, excuse me. Deal with it. Learn to deal with it. Um, but um, yeah, dude, it was up there. It went great. And um, and apparently the teacher went up to someone else in my group and said it was like one of the best presentations she'd seen. So um, yeah. Why is that coming up? I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I've gone through so much of my life, like not talking about, like trying not to be like trying to be humble, but to a fault. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think being humble is a virtue and it's something I aspire to, but I, I'm trying to talk about, I've been sort of self, certainly self deprecating. Sorry, deal with it. Um, certainly self deprecating, but also in self, maybe to the point of being self defeating. But yeah, as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking, who gives it? Who gives a shit? Like, who gives a fuck how I'm doing on my fucking chem presentation or my uh, my psych presentation? By the way, still waiting to hear about my chem test. Um, I will let you know if I got an A on it. Um, I'll, I'll let you know if I didn't get an A on it. But uh, but yeah, isn't that weird? It, it feels desperate. I'm like, why am I bragging about my academic achievements on this freaking podcast? Um. Yeah, dude, maybe I'm just desperate to be celebrated. Oy, oy, oy. <clears throat> but yeah, I was talking to my brother. What did he say? I was talking about my brother. Yeah, I was talking to him on my way to school. Ended up missing my uh, BART train. God. Yeah, I was talking to him. But I asked him, uh, you know, he listens to the, uh, he listened to all these episodes. And I asked, I was like, do you have any constructive feedback on the podcast? And, um... And he was like, well, I don't have any feedback, but I just have some questions. Like when I hear you, when I hear you answering, I, like, it, dude, it's so, dude, it's so funny. I record so many of these, <laughs> you know, like he's giving me feedback on like episode one and two, like episode two literally just came out yesterday. And believe it or not, this is episode five that I'm recording right now. You know, I record like twice a week. So I, believe me, I'm like way ahead of schedule. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, whatever I'm talking about has already happened well in the past. Um, hear me, dude. Sorry, I'm yawning, but dude, your boy ran a lot, and um, 
in fact, I should probably be taking a nap before work instead of recording this, but, uh, but I felt motivated to do it anyway. Um, but I was, uh, oh, he was saying, yeah, when you were answering questions on the, on the first episode or whatever, he's like, a lot of those may have been bots. And I was like, I certainly get bot messages. I don't know. Is it possible for a bot to answer via a question app? Oh, I think it, I think what really solidified that for me or why that stuck with me is because I did, you know, I think, dude, it's either on the last episode or one of the episodes you're about to hear. I do read a message, um, that somebody sent me that was about their CV or something and having trouble finding a job. And I literally got an identical message from somebody else. And I realized, oh, that original one was from a fucking bot. And I felt stupid for reading it on the podcast. But, um, but yeah, dude, it's hard. Um, yeah. And you feel silly. Like, you know, I, I, I mean, it's so easy when we think about the whole Trump thing or the Mueller report and you just, uh, people and you think like Russian bots are like sowing discord amongst people you know, I'd, I'd be super fucking embarrassed if I was like answering bot questions on the podcast, but, um, but, uh, it's a part of life, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. What's going on with me right now? I feel I don't know. In another episode, I talk about, you know, the minute you become self-conscious, things can sort of fall apart. That's kind of how I feel right now. I think what I've enjoyed about the podcast so far is not really knowing what I'm going to talk about and just sitting down and, and start recording. And like, actually, the last episode um, that I recorded, the it's, it's going to be called Pristine Sneaker Life. That one really sort of meandered, but I'm so fucking happy where it ended. I mean, I... um there's been a couple episodes, like, so far, the you know, at least from my perspective, um, and this will probably change if I hear this again in a year, but, uh, sorry, 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 <sighs> um, you know, like I said, before I even aired the podcast, I was recording myself talking for, for a few months, and, um, you know, they were okay, um, but I always knew, like, oh, okay, I need, I need to do more of this. And I think I probably did about two dozen of them or so. Um, and I was recording more than once a week or even twice a week. I was I was doing it three or four times a week. So, it, you know, it went by pretty quickly over like two months. But I remember the what ended up being the pilot episode. I remember recording that and not thinking it was perfect, but thinking, you know what? I actually wouldn't mind if people heard that. And I remember sending it to my brother and saying, hey, you know what? And I had sent him some other stuff in the interim. Um and just for his feedback. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I think this is pretty good. And he was like, yeah, that was pretty funny. And so, um, that's when I started getting the ball rolling, but that was the first one where I was like, okay, I would like people to hear that. And, uh, I never intended on it being, um, I mean, I guess it's, if you really want to get technical, it is the first episode. It's up as episode zero, but, um, you know, as I was starting to think, okay, it's time to do the podcast. Um, you know, to get all these things set set up, I wanted like a placeholder episode, um, or I needed a placeholder episode or something. You needed at least one episode to submit your podcast to all these places. So I just published it and said, fuck it. It's the pilot, whatever. And then, uh, we'll get rolling officially with episode one when I do it. But, um, and then I liked episode two or episode one. I like, um, the Adam Durrett story. I'm glad that that's out there. Um, and, uh, but, uh, and the other ones have good moments as well, but I, I, you know, the, that moment where I sort of stumbled on the whole pristine sneaker life, that was, that felt good. I was like, damn, I, I want more of that. And I'm not saying it's not going to get better still. I'm not saying they're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it gets better all the time, but even as that was going on, I was like, dude, this is exactly what I was hoping to get to. So, um, I guess I'm just saying that cause I'm sitting here thinking like, damn, I really don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about today. But sometimes, um that's how you get to the best stuff sometimes. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail about what I do for work, but, um, I do, I'm, I'm on the phone a lot and, uh, and, um, I do counseling over the phone. And, uh, one of my styles as a counselor is that uh, I can be very quiet. I'm very comfortable with silence. And we had some new trainees who were on a, we call it a listening shift where they were just sort of listening to calls. And, um, 
there was a very interesting call that came up for me that they were listening and I sort of walked into the room and sort of consulted with them afterwards, just sort of checked in and to hear their thoughts about it. And they noted like, yeah, you were like very silent. You know, there were certain parts where you didn't talk for long stretches and it was just silent. That would have been very uncomfortable for me. But, um, and the only reason this matters is because I bring it up for myself, which is it's sort of funny for me that silence, I mean, I'm, I'm still acutely aware of it on the podcast and I, I'm fully aware that if I'm quiet too long, it's going to be boring for, for anyone listening. But silence is something that's been hard for me to um, embrace. It's so funny. It's natural to me as like a phone counselor. It's a big part of my style. But um, like I remember in therapy, that was like, felt like death to me when I would walk into therapy and I would just sort of fall into these lulls and silences. I, I really felt this pressure to speak. And I mean, either it will make sense to you or it won't make sense to you. I don't know. Maybe it'll sound well, wow, that's strange. Or maybe you'll go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I had this sense when I went to therapy that like, like it was up, I don't know. I felt this responsibility, right? Like I never, I think some people go into therapy and they expect that their therapist is just going to give them feedback on the things that they say as if like, and I, I never heard anyone articulate this, but as I've talked about my own therapy with other people and they've kind of been curious Sometimes my sense of what people think therapy is, is that you go in and you talk and your therapist gives you feedback and almost like gives you like emotional homework. Um, as if we sort of articulate, oh, okay, so this is what you're dealing with. And we, we both have a clear sense of what needs to be done to, or they have a clear sense of what needs to be done to overcome it. And they give me their professional advice on what I should do. And I, it's my job to sort of go out and execute those things. Um, I never really, I never really had that perspective. I always thought like it was going to be up to me you know, um, that it was really up to me to come through and talk through these issues. And, and I always had this feeling like, and I think maybe it comes from like being a, you know, for all the years I was like a shitty student, which is like, especially when I studied music, I would like show up for my piano lessons every week and and having not practiced. And it was the same cycle of just sitting there going through over the same shit, not having done the work, feeling embarrassed, feeling, you know, this, I don't, and yeah, embarrassment. I was disappointed in myself and I never really got shamed by my teachers. I, I think that's just a part of the job, right? Like you just are resigned to the fact that some people practice and work hard and some people just show up and, and don't. But there was this sense, I think when I went to therapy that I was like, I, I really wanted to do well. And I felt this, res- like, I felt like if I had done my job or if I was committed to this, that I would come in and have shit to talk about. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, that I was, and especially, dude, if when you're paying for therapy, dude, it's fucking crazy, dude. It's exorbitant. If you're like paying out of pocket, which I think a lot of times to find good care, you really, you really do have to. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of great people doing this work. I also think, dude, I mean, this is a broad brush, but I'm almost, dude, I almost want to say, I, and it's not that I have anything against therapy. I think therapy is critical. I wish everyone had a fucking, um, was issued a therapist at birth. You know what I mean? Um, but, um, I just think most of the people, I think most of the people who are therapists probably shouldn't be therapists. And, uh, it's, it's so, it's hard. It's sad because it's, I think it's so critical for a lot of people. I think it's something that's desperately needed, but I also think the amount of people who are actually qualified to do it, I think like we are woefully deficient. You know, I think there's just not a lot of good people doing it. So I think it's really hard to find good, um, to find good care. And I mean, the chances of you, you know, whoever, you know, like if you walk into, you know, in California, God, I'd feel embarrassed if they were anywhere else in the country too, but at least in California, Kaiser is a big healthcare provider. Um, you know, for you to walk into Kaiser and just the therapist they happen to give you being someone that you happen to have a good relationship with, it just seems unlikely to me. And a lot of times people have to try different therapists before they find someone they click with. But I also think the difficulty is when you're needing therapy, you're not really in the place where you have that kind of resiliency or that, you know, it's hard to do anything when you're depressed or when you're needing emotional support. The idea that you can make sort of educated decisions about your own health care, um, it just, it feels like a stretch. <clears throat> it feels like a stretch to me. But, um, but um, where am I going with this? Um,
Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that necessarily, but as I'm, what I am thinking about now is, you know, they do these studies where they think, um, they try to see what types of therapy are the most effective. And I, I think, uh, and I heard someone else who was a, you know, had been a therapist for years talking about this, but they say, um, they had said when, you know, when they do this sort of research, it's not the types of therapy. When they look at the efficacy of, 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 of therapy, it's never the type of therapy that seems to have the most influence. It's the relationship between the two people. You know, if there's good rapport, if there's trust, if there's, you know, if, the, if, if there's a healthy therapeutic relationship, it's sort of immaterial what type of therapy is taking place. Um, yeah, and maybe that follows just because I'm thinking, you know, I think a lot of the people who actually do it are woefully deficient that they can't really, my sense is they can't really foster those types of relationships. But um, I think ultimately I was talking about, yeah, my own times in therapy where when I would fall into silence, I would feel this huge pressure and failure, <laughs> you know, as if I was, oh, okay, I think I was saying because therapy is so expensive, and it's, by the way, it's not an hour, it's 50 minutes. It's five zero minutes. Dude, what the fuck? Dude, it sounds like someone's playing a fucking accordion. Dude, and they just stopped. Anyway, um, it's five zero minutes. It's not even a freaking hour. And it's exorbitantly expensive. So there's this pressure to be like, oh man, like I really got to do important work. Like I got to get in there and fucking use my time wisely. Because when you're actually paying out of pocket, it, when you fall silent, you you just, I, dude, at least in my therapist's office, you can literally hear the clock ticking. And I'm like, damn dude, I'm not going to be back here for seven days. Uh, I need to use my time wisely. Mm. Dude, fuck. God damn it, dude. I'm so pissed now. Dude, fuck, man. I'm so frustrated now. Something totally stole my attention and now it's like all I can fucking think about. Dude, in a way, what I'm talking... Dude, it's weird. What, literally, what I'm talking about now is what happens in therapy sometimes. I was literally talking about this last time I was there. I was like, we were talking about something good. Oh, dude, this is literally... Wow. What's happening in this moment is literally what happened last time I was in the therapist's office, where we were talking about... I mean, I told you guys this last time I was saying, oh, your boy's going down to once a week. Yay! I was going like twice a week for the last few years. I am going back down to once a week. But even as I was sitting in therapy talking about, yeah, I feel like things are going good. I'm feeling like, you know, my life's not perfect, but look, do I really need to be going twice a week? Like, I'm just kind of dealing with the shit that everybody deals with in life. And in in some ways, I'm feeling like I'm in a better position now to just kind of deal with those things the way a normal person does. And I, I feel like I don't need as much support. And then I was just, I would fall into these like silences where even my body posture I was sort of like noting it, like I sort of curl up in this, I don't know, I'm sitting on the sofa, like, you know, kind of scratching my chin, like looking all fucking rueful and uh, ponderous. And I, and I even said like, why, why do I do this? Like why we're talking about how things are going good. Why do I, hmm, I just, my default is I go into this sort of chin scratching state and ruminating. Like I still feel cautious. I still feel like whatever I'm feeling, even the good stuff. It's like, I feel like I can't trust it. You know, it feels dangerous to be comfortable in that space. It feels like, like, okay, it feels good now. I was sort of talking about, like, it feels like you're sort of stepping out onto thin ice, you know? It's like, it feels sturdy, but this could fucking crack at any moment. Um, so it's like, damn, dude, I'm just like talking, and all of a sudden this fucking thing steals my attention. I don't know, and I'm, I'm still hearing wisps of it outside my place right now, but it's like someone playing a fucking harmonica or something. 
<clears throat> but the minute I get distracted by that and I think about it, it just everything stops. My brain gets hijacked. And then I stop and I start, it's like I get, you know, I was talking about getting swept up and whatever fucking comedic current everybody else is like, I feel myself get swept up in something and I immediately go to this like frustrated, angry place. And I can't think anymore. And I'm also like in that moment where I go quiet and I'm like, fuck, dude, how am I going to get back to talking about whatever I was talking about? I'm also thinking, but who even gives a shit? Like I wasn't even talking about anything important. You know, even as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm upset with myself for even talking about this. Dude, it kind of goes back, like, do you remember when I was talking about, like, being in LA and I was talking to my friend Aaron Marsh? Who, by the way, dude, it's so, I was, <laughs> dude, it's so funny. I literally feel like I've mentioned Aaron Marsh in every fucking episode of this podcast. And until, like, earlier this year, I hadn't seen the dude in, like, a decade or, like, 12 years. And then I see him in LA and all of a sudden he just popping up on this podcast, dude. It's crazy. Um... But uh, I was saying, like, when I bumped into him in L.A., and the theater I couldn't remember was called the El Rey Theater um, in Los Angeles that I played at um, with Matt Nathanson. But when I was talking to him about feeling comfortable before the shows and, uh, and, uh, and him being like, oh, yeah, you don't look nervous. And I was like, yeah, dude, the show's been really comfortable. That was the one fucking show on the tour. And it didn't derail the whole fucking show. It was perfectly fine. It was just a moment. But I, that was the only time on the tour where I had a moment on stage where I felt the fucking, oh shit, like I felt super self-conscious and that fear of things unraveling, like shook me for a second. I had to fucking pull myself together and like push through it. Um, and I don't think you ever fucking escape that as a performer fully. I think that just comes with the territory. But um, yeah, whatever that feeling is, I feel it more acutely in this recording than I, I probably ever had before. And even as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's just good that I'm pushing through it and maybe I'll go back and listen to this and say, oh, that was kind of interesting. Or I'll just think, fuck, dude, this is the one episode I don't want anyone to hear. But dude, it goes back to talking about when I was talking about pooping on the last episode. I think, Jesus Christ. Even I remember talking about it thinking, Jesus, this is the last thing you want people to hear you talking about. <clears throat> I went back and listened and thought it was pretty funny. Um, and I, I, I think it's interesting. Like I said, those are my favorite stories. <laughs> you know, I literally, you know, uh, and I'm sure it's probably even clear in like um, the style of this podcast. Like I'm, I'm a huge Chris D'Elia fan right now and his standup is fine, but it's really his podcast that I love. And um, I'm literally going through all the existing episodes again. Like I listened to all of them and now I'm cycling back through again. And of course I'm watching the new ones as they come out also. But I literally just, literally this afternoon, was re-listening to the episode as I was working on other stuff. I was re-hearing the episode where he talks about shitting his pants, or having to shit on a hike with his friend. Um, let me see if I can pull it up, actually. Um, I have it paused on episode 86 right now, but I think the story... So go back and look at the Crack Congratulations podcast with Chris D'Elia. It's either going to be episode 86 or 85, probably. Um... But he tells a story about being on a hike with um, some of his friends and having to shit on the hike. And, uh, dude, for someone like me, that's like my worst goddamn nightmare. Dude, I think for a lot of people, it's their worst nightmare. Um, being out in the woods away from a bathroom and having to shit. But he just tells a story. He's like, oh, dude, he just dropped drop trow in the middle of the hike, wiped with his shirt, and just left it there. And, um, and uh, dude, that's like, I love that story. Cause it's like one, I sympathize completely cause it's like my worst nightmare. But when people tell those stories, those, I don't know, I'm shying away from using the word vulnerable. Um, cause it sounds too precious or something. But when people tell those vulnerable stories, dude, those are my fucking favorite. Like I was telling you about my friend who just woke up and threw up in her, her, her hands on an airplane. That's the one story I remember about her. Um, Dude, I can't tell you who this is, but I had a friend, and it's one of the stories I remember about her two years ago. Um, she like went to the doctor and had some, I don't know what they did, but they gave her something. I don't, I mean, she wasn't having, I've had a colonoscopy, which is fucking crazy. Like I'm, I'm only 34, dude. I had a colonoscopy at 22 or 23. I was having some like gastrointestinal things. And I mean, most people don't get a colonoscopy until they're in like their fucking fifties. But, um, 
she went to the doctor's office and they had to give her something that she had to like drink. I think it was like barium. I think they had to do some sort of intestinal thing with her. But whatever, like she and her boyfriend are like out at fucking Applebee's afterwards or something. And they're like sitting there and she like, dude, I'm trying to do all I do is say fuck and talk about weird shit on this podcast. So I don't know why I'm censoring myself now, but she essentially sharded. She like thought she had to fart or something. And she like, she basically liquid shitted in her fucking pants. And it wasn't like, dude, it was a mixture of whatever they like gave her to drink. It just passed through her system. It was like oil. It was just like oil coming out. And she apparently like just destroyed her pants. And she, so she tells, she starts crying immediately. And she just tells a story about her boyfriend having like, like wrap, like she had to wrap her, his sweater around her waist. And like, he had to like walk out with like standing behind her. Like, I fucking love that story. One, I can just imagine how fucking mortifying it was. But you know what's strange too? I also think like, I want to tell people, if you ever want to tell someone that story, tell it to me. Because if you think I'm going to sit there and like think, like and think less of you, you're fucking wrong. I'm going to fucking love that story. I'm going to be so happy you told it to me. But also this, that is my worst nightmare because I would fucking panic in that situation. And... What I can't bring myself to believe or even really like understand is, ooh, I had this thought with performing one time. My biggest fear is failing on stage because I'm scared I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to fail in front of a room full of, well, I say me's, but that's going to sound contradictory to what I'm about to say. I'll just say I'm scared of failing on stage because I'm just scared that everyone's going to judge me. It's like, when I get a pimple, this is what I'm fucking embarrassed about. When I get a, when I get a pimple, I'm fucking mortified. And I'm not just talking like a random pimple. I'm saying like, you know, like once a year, you get a fucking good one. You know what I'm saying? For me, I don't want to leave the house. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's just the truth. Like, I think on another episode, I was talking about like, your boy doesn't care that he's balding. It, it, it's just, it's, I mean, I... I, 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 you know, I'm not lying. I just, I don't have feelings about it. It's just a non-issue for me. But when I get a pimple, I don't want to fucking leave the house. That really pricks at my sense of my vanity or whatever, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it really does fuck me up. It's, it's, it's genuinely uncomfortable when I have like a, like a legit pimple that I know everyone who sees it goes, whoa, it's, it's just excruciating for me to just sort of be out and like feel feel that pressure. The truth is nobody gives a fuck. Um, people just don't have time to care. What they do is look and go, oh, that guy's a pimple. And then they fucking move on with their life. And maybe, maybe, maybe they even do go, oh, goddamn. But that's it. That's the end of the story. But for me, dude, I have so many fucking feelings attached to it. And it's probably some from previous experiences. Um, dude, I was about to stop myself, but fuck it. We're going into the story. So what I, dude, I think what that comes from Um, and then I'll hopefully actually get back to the point I was originally trying to make. But when I was a kid, I had this experience where, um, I was like, uh, I want to be accurate. I was in seventh grade. I don't know how how old are you in seventh grade, like 13. So, um, I was, you know, like I still do this by the way, but it's like you, you, you clean your face, right? You like pick your face or whatever. You're just like popping blackheads, you're popping whatever. And, uh, my nails were too long. And I, I didn't realize this was what was happening at the time, but I remember waking up one morning and I had cuts all over my nose. And, you know, what I'm describing to you, this abject fear of like, well, one, when you're, dude, when you're a teenager, you're just hyper-conscious of yourself anyway. Um, and I was just mortified. I had these, like, scabs all over my fucking nose. So, um, what I did was I snuck upstairs to my mom's room and I, like, stole her makeup and, um, dude, like it was even fucking color tone matched for myself. But like, I literally just used her cover up to like cover up my fucking face, dude. And I thought it looked fucking like, I thought it looked fine. Like I'm th- I thought nobody could tell. Um, is that accurate though? Damn. Dude, this is like an important story to me and I, and I want to tell it honestly, but, um, dude, it's actually just really vulnerable for me to, uh, to tell people. But, um, there's just, there, yeah, there's, there's just so much, there's just so much in this story for me. But, um, um, that was, dude, it sounds crazy to say, but of my like adolescence, I think those were the two hardest weeks of my life. And it, it has less to do with my nose than 
how that was attached to sort of everything else I think that I now see was sort of going on in our lives, uh, in, in my family's life at that time. But I had like long hair at the time and I used to like gel it up. But like for that week, I didn't put any gel in my hair and I would just wear it in my face. And I remember at school, I would sit there in class with like my hair in my face so like that nobody could like see see my, my, my nose with this fucking makeup on it or whatever. And I remember between every class and between lunch even, any chance I had, we had these like bathrooms that were sort of set off from the classrooms and there was like a locker, kind of like a quasi shower locker room area attached to them. And they just had these long benches. I wouldn't even sleep, but I would like go into the bathroom and just lay on the fucking bench with my face, like tucked into my arm, like a pillow. And I would just fucking spend the whole lunch break in there. And, and it was weird. It was like, nobody said anything. And I would go home and I would just fucking be in my room all day. And I even think, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry my timeline's all screwed up, but like, I just like pretended to be sick for like a week. Like after a couple of days of that, I think I just pretended to be sick or maybe, maybe at first I pretended to be sick. And then when I finally, I think this is what happened. I think I pretended to be sick for like a week so that I wouldn't have to go to school. And then when I finally did have to go to school, like that's when the whole fucking makeup thing happened or whatever. But I remember, I remember, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I, I just remember nobody saying anything to me. I mean, I was going through this, like, and I felt so, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I just felt like, like, I remember, like, after, like, a week of, like, being sick, like, my mom, God bless her heart, she came down into my room, and she's, like, talking to me, and she, I think she was just kind of checking in, because I think she knew that, like, something was bothering me, dude, can't you look at your kid's face and just see it's all fucked up, like, that's what's bothering him, but I was just so fucking confused because like she came down to my room and like wanted to talk with me after like a few days of this. And I remember her sitting on my bed and she goes, um, <laughs> she goes, um, Hey, I just want to talk to you. Cause I'm, 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 you know, I, I can, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't know her words exactly, but she was kind of intimating like, I, I can see that something's sort of going on here. And it was, dude, it wasn't my nose. She was not acknowledging my nose. And you'll fucking see why in a second. But she goes, you know, I just want to let you know that whatever you're going through, um, you know, I'm going to love you regardless. And I was like, okay. And she's like, so, so if there's anything you want to tell me, you know, if, if it's about yourself or what you're going through, you know, I'll, you know, you know, I'll always love you, whether you're straight or you're, or you're gay. And I was like, yo, my mom thinks that I'm fucking down here questioning my sexuality for like the fucking last week. And I was like, okay, all right, well, <clears throat> okay. And um, yeah, dude, that was fucking weird. That was like, wow, I really feel misunderstood. I really feel fucking misunderstood. And uh, and yeah, dude, I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to like, I don't know. Maybe this is Maybe this is just too vulnerable for me to talk about, but... You know, I just, I don't know. That was like a really hard time for me and I didn't feel supported. And I remember like, dude, I just remember like after, like when I finally did go back to school and I was like fucking wearing my mom's makeup or whatever. And like, nobody was like, dude, I don't know. I'm struggling because I look back on it and it's so simple. Like, I had these fucking cuts on my nose I was embarrassed about. I stole my mom's makeup to cover them up. I pretended to be sick so I could stay home. And then when I couldn't, I just fucking used her makeup to cover it up and go back to school. And I fucking hid my face. Dude, that's all normal. But, like, nobody just was, like, frank with me. Like, nobody was just straight up with me. And I think, like, midway through the second week where I was, like, fucking walking around with this makeup with my hair in my face, I remember walking up into the kitchen at one point. And my mom was in the kitchen and she goes, I, I, it's so strange, dude, it sounds crazy, but have you ever seen the sixth sense? There's a scene, I think it's like the first major ghost scene in that movie where like he goes up to take a piss in the middle of the night, Hilly Joel Osment's character and this fucking figure like walks through the door and it's like a jump scene and he walks into the kitchen and it's like a former t- woman, like a woman who had lived in the house, a former tenant who had like killed herself, like slashed her wrists or, wrists or whatever. 
Like he walks in and you see all like the cupboards open everywhere and she's just sort of standing in the kitchen. Dude, I, I, I don't know why, but it kind of, I, dude, it just feels the same. Not that that's my mom. That's just, well, who knows, dude. In that Freudian sense, it all means something. Who knows? But I remember her back is at, like she's standing at the sink and I just remember walking into the kitchen with this fear or whatever. And I remember her turning around and seeing me and she just had this look of like, disgust on her face. And I don't know what she's, I don't know how she starts the conversation. I think she's like, what's going on or something like that. And I was like, I don't know or nothing or something. And she says, what's on your face? And I was like, nothing. And she sort of turns her back to me again. And before, I don't even know what's going on. She's like, I see her doing something at the sink. And I, I mean, I now realize she had like grabbed a tissue paper and put some soap on it and water or something like that. And she turns around and she just sort of grabs me by the back of my neck and sort of pulls me toward her and just smears this, you know, this washcloth or whatever on my, you know, that she made out of tissue paper, like on my nose and smears the makeup off my nose and just points it at me and says, what's this? And I, dude, I just remember in like the most defeated like tone, I just remember, I just said like dirt and she was just like disgusted. And that was it. I literally, there was just never disgust again. And I must've just like slunk back to my room and like with the lights off. But I look back on that and I think, I just think like it, when I'm a parent, I, I just feel like that was incredibly, that what a missed opportunity. I think this is what I'm trying to say. When I hear stories, who have, people who have embarrassing things happen to them, I want them to tell me about it. And I'm, I'm not saying this self-congratulatory, like as a self-congratulatory thing. It just is the case. Um, I want them to tell me because I want them to see that it doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, I want them to see that I actually enjoy that story. Not like, oh, I'm making fun. I love that because you look like a fucking idiot. And I love making fun of you. I just, I, re- I just genuinely enjoy that story. And I know it was painful at the time, but I like hearing it. You know, I find it endearing. It's interesting. It's an interesting story. It makes you interesting. And, um... And I feel lucky. You know, thank you for sharing that with me. I really do. <laughs> because pe- I think people try to hide those things, you know. And um, and um, I just look back on that and I think, I can't wait till my kid has a pimple <laughs> or something like that because then I can do for them what I I think is so easy that just for whatever reason, nobody did for me. Why not just have a conversation with me where you say, Hey, you know, I I hear that you're not feeling well. And if you know, you want to stay home, that's, that's cool. But I'm also noticing you have this thing on your face. Like maybe you're feeling embarrassed about it. That's totally cool. Let's take a day off, but let's talk about this at some point, you know? Um, and just talk to them about their feelings. Like, yeah, you're right. It's really embarrassing to go to school when you're not like when you have something on your face. Um, yeah, dude, it really sucks. And I can even say, yeah, dude, I went through it too. Dude, it bothers the hell out of me too. Um, but like, ask them, like, what do you want to do about it? Dude, maybe they want to spend the week home from school and maybe that's perfectly fucking fine, dude. You know, it's like, dude, fine. Let's take, dude, f- by the way, fucking who gives a shit? <laughs> it's fucking middle school. You think anything important is going on? You want to take a week off? Fucking fine, dude. You probably learn more staying at home reading the books we have on our fucking shelf than fucking going to school. But irregardless, um, dude, there's just, I look back on that and I just feel so much shame. You know, I was shamed by everybody in my family for feeling that way. There was never a moment where I was like, wow, he's really suffering. And the solution was so simple. It was just a matter of 
Dude, it was just a matter of, you know what the worst part about that was? I felt like there was something wrong with me for feeling the way I felt about it. Where, dude, there's not. Dude, of course you feel that way. It's embarrassing to have a pimple or it's embarrassing to have cuts on your nose. Yeah, dude, you don't feel pretty, dude. Of course. (laughs) Of course you feel bad. Of course you'd prefer not to look that way. It's difficult. It's hard being in public and, and, and walking around confidently when you're not feeling good. Um, that, you know, that you're feeling what you're feeling for good reason. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. And I'm not saying it would have deleted my feelings about it, but it would have, it would have helped me experience the situation for what it was and not turn it into this horror story that it's become in my life. And I, I'm embarrassed calling it a horror story because I, I, I know, I look back on it and I know, dude, it's not a big deal. And I'm actually really, I mean, you know, this is one of those confusing things that's so easy to say. It's much harder to really mean it, which is, I'm, I'm glad it happened to me because I learned so much. But it doesn't mean I still wouldn't be exponentially better for having been spared the experience altogether. I think that's the one thing that people miss sometimes. I wouldn't change anything about my life. I have no regrets because it made me who I am. Yeah, maybe. But it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have been a better person if you were spared the, those experiences altogether. Um, but still, what am I trying to say? I just look back on that and I, I just feel like what a missed opportunity for my parents to comfort me and be there for me. And maybe they weren't capable of it. Maybe they just don't have, they, they clearly didn't have that capacity, especially at the time. But, um, yeah, it was a very, it was a very sad time in my life. And I look back now and I realize actually it was just one of, of just a parade of terrible, terribles that were going on in, uh, in our house at the time. But, um, but something about that experience really seems to sum up a lot of what was going on at the time. The sort of the source of my pain was obvious and that it was, I felt so misunderstood. Um, and it was just never addressed that it just made me feel responsible for those feelings, you know? And, um, and, um, Yeah, it's funny when you think about creative people. <laughs> you know, I always think about like, well, what what would possibly drive a person to want to perform in front of, to find an audience to be, or to perform or uh, to be famous, dude? It's 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 these sorts of things. Normal, healthy people don't have this drive they don't have i'm this is a broad brush obviously but most well-adjusted people don't do this and i I, look i look i love podcasts i love music i think the world is a better place because people do these things because there are people who make albums because there are people who make movies and I'm not saying I'm the first person to realize this, but we treat successful artists as if they are somehow, they figured life out. Like not only did they do all the stuff that we have to do, they did something even more, which is they were exceptional. They, when I think it, I don't think it's too broad a generalization to say the overwhelmingly vast majority of successful artists are successful because they went all in on this, on needing needing an audience, needing to be celebrated, needing to be validated. And look, I hope you enjoy this as well. I mean, I realize this is probably one of the... I'm not even saying it's entertaining. It's certainly one of the... Again, I don't want to say vulnerable, but it's certainly... It certainly feels different than any other recording for this podcast that I've done so far. But... um. But there's just something inescapable about the fact that I think everyone who does this, there's some need on the person on this side of the microphone, on my side of the microphone, to feel heard 
and to feel, I think they feel that there's something about them that's heretofore been unnoticed that they think, I think people think in their art that they're their truest self. You know, oh, when I'm dancing, that's when I'm when I'm my real self. When I'm on stage, that's when I'm my real self. When I'm in my music, that's my real self. When I'm talking on the podcast, that's my real self. When I'm doing stand-up on stage, that's when I'm my real self. And if that gets celebrated, if I can find an audience when I'm that person, that will make up for the time in my life where I felt unobserved or unacknowledged or misunderstood or unseen. You know, success today will make up for the deficiencies I had in my life. I think, I really don't think I'm just projecting. I mean, I think it's, I think it's born out of my actual experience of having met thousands of thousands upon thousands of aspiring creative types. Um, there is this almost universal drive that this sense that success in this area will make up for everything else that that life <laughs> that life without success is a, is not worth living and i think it's hard because i think part of growing up is hopefully i think if you're doing it right i think you realize that actually if i if i let the other good things in my life make me happy you know, if I, the relationship, you know, all the time people say like, oh, I was successful because I, I gave up things that other people weren't willing to give up. You know, I, I ended friendships, I ended relationships, I ended whatever. I think a lot of people live to regret those things. I mean, how many celebrity deaths and, um, you know, I haven't seen it, but I know the Judy Garland movie came out recently. Um, I'm assuming it's like most celebrity biopics. Um, where you go, oh, that person had everything in the world and they were fucking miserable. Um, how many of those movies do we have to see before we realize, oh yeah, success like that doesn't make you happy. And it's very easy to look and say, um, oh, those people have something figured out that the rest of us don't. But I, I think what most people realize when they have that success is they realize, oh, it was never going to make me happy. And actually all the things that I sort of threw away, um, that I sacrificed if I had actually just let those things that I already had make me happy, I wouldn't have needed to work as hard as I did for something that isn't worth a whole lot at all, honestly. Um, I happen to believe that, but I also understand it's easy to hear that as sour grapes or some, you know, gross rationalization from somebody who is not successful. Um, but anyway, strange note to end on. But um, I can see that we've uh, we've hit our our timestamp here. Um, I was sort of thinking back to the the poop episode, the last one, where I now that I've recorded it, I, I'm not sure I want people to hear this, but I also think, you know, would I respect myself? You know, if I was a listener to this podcast, and believe me, I know there's only a few of you, <laughs> but would you respect me less if you knew I recorded this and never released it? You know, I, I feel this accountability that that I recorded it, it needs to be heard. And, uh, so yeah, it'll either be one of a kind or the beginning of many more like it, I'm sure. But, um, you know, to everyone who's listened to the podcast so far, thanks for tuning in. It means a lot. If you want, you can connect with me on all my socials at this is M X O X O. If you like the podcast, think of one person in your life who you think would really enjoy it and uh, tune them into it. Otherwise, you can keep me all to yourself. Uh, we're in Apple Podcasts now. We're also on Stitcher. So if you want to, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you want to tune in. And uh, yeah, thanks. I look forward to doing this again soon. So thanks for listening. And ciao for now.